0: Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm Sheena, and today we're chatting to Suzy Carr. Susie's sharing fantastic tips on social media marketing with you. Stay tuned for more.
1: Hi, I'm Suzy Carr. I am a novelist who writes lesbian fiction. I have published, let's see, 10 books so far, and my latest one is The Dance. This one is a book that just came out February 16th, and it's a book about the importance of communication. And it centers around a widow and her stepdaughter and a beekeeper. The three of them learn life lessons and heal as they learn how to dance with life's ups and downs, learning to understand the vital importance of honesty through the honeybees that they nurture together. This is a romance book, as well as, I would say, general fiction. Um, It delves into a lot of different emotions and feelings. It was a book that I researched heavily and thoroughly enjoyed writing. With all of my novels, I publish under Sunny B Books. I do all the marketing for for all of my books, which is what we are here to talk about today. Uh, Marketing through social media and what ways a writer can do this successfully, effectively, and efficiently.
0: Susie, let me just ask you, how long did it take you to write these 10 books? How many years? Okay, I started
1: writing books. Um, I wrote my first one in 2004. And it published in 2007, so it took a while to get it published. And so since I would say 2007, I would, I published 10 books. I also wrote a how-to book called Writer's Insights, and that is just um, really a book that is based on a series, uh, a video series that I have, a free video series on writer's tips, and I share that with readers for free through YouTube videos. And so I took these 20 videos that I created and wrote a how-to book based on those where I really fleshed out the ideas that I have in the videos. And I also brought along some industry experts to help write some of the book. where I interviewed them and got their expert opinions on certain things, elements that really affect writers in the field.
0: So what made you decide to write a nonfiction?
1: Well, I, all right, so what happens is I interact a lot on social media, which I will get to in a little bit. And through those interactions, I interact with a lot of writers, and I get a lot of questions from them about, well, how did you get started? How do I, you know, how do I, how do I plot a book? How do I write characters? How, all of these questions were coming to me, and I thought, you know, the best way I can do, the best way I can serve people is I can share my ideas through videos. So I created these 20 videos that help address the frequently asked questions that I get from, from writers. And so now when a writer asks me, I engage in the con- conversation with them, but I have a resource that I can point them to, these free videos. And if they want to learn more and get more in-depth, then the book is available, I think it's $2.99 for the Kindle version, so it's, it's relatively reasonable. Um, and so it just it, that's where the idea came from, is I was getting a lot of questions, and I really wanted to be able to answer them in a way that was helpful but not to have to continually type the same answers back, you know, continuously. So I wanted to be able to um, create a product really that will would help answer these questions in a concise way.
0: Okay. well, where can people find these videos?
1: They are on YouTube and I have a channel um, that they can actually access the channel, my my YouTube channel from my homepage on my website. It's probably the easiest way for them to find me. Um, My website being CurvesWelcome.com.
0: Speaking of social media, let's talk about that. What can you do to stand out on social media?
1: Yeah, standing out on social media, it's tough because there is so much noise. There are so many people out there and it's really easy to get lost. Standing out in the crowd, it's increasingly more difficult, I think, for writers, especially when you're in a niche like ours, lesbian fiction, because many of us are trying to reach the same people. And one of the things that can start that cycle of this noise is all the selling that takes place. People can start to feel manipulated or just plain put off if our messaging is primarily focused on selling. So I have seven tips that I'd like to share on this point where I hopefully, hopefully it will help. So the first rule of thumb is I suggest add a variety of communications to your marketing mix, not just promotions. I see a lot of people just posting promotions. Um, on Facebook primarily, and after a while I think people become numb to those. The second suggestion, be authentic and original. That authentic connection between you and the reader really matters to them. It, it's, you know, they, they, they enjoy that authenticity and that connection. Also remember that no one thinks exactly like you do. And so if you're willing to share your thoughts and dreams with the world, you're putting something out there that was never there before. That's original and people connect with that.
0: Okay, so give us an example of a variety of communications.
1: Okay, so a variety of communications could be blog posts. It could be polls. Um, You could be sharing somebody else's information as well. So those are ideas for adding a variety, maybe a picture of your dog or a pretty flower you've seen on the roadside that you wanted to share and say something nice about. So it's, it's stuff that just makes you real. Being authentic and original, that is really, again, just being being yourself. Um, instead of just being a book that you wrote, now you're, you're sharing a personal glimpse of maybe your family pet, or a vacation you just went on, or a great movie you saw, or perhaps even better, a book you just read and you want to discuss and talk about. So these are ways to be original and authentic, and they're your own voice. The third suggestion to standing out in the noise is help people. It's really quite simple, really, to stand out. It's respond to people and help them out. Teach them with how-to content introduce them to experts and peers who can maybe, maybe help improve their life when you do this you build trust I, I share a lot of how-to content and that content i i find on social media and then i just reshare it um, and if i if i know that somebody is looking for a specific like gosh i really need to lose weight and you know i find this great article i read i can share that with that person and there's that personal connection and that trust that's being built The fourth, be passionate about what you do and who you serve. True passion is very contagious, especially when you're expressing it on social media. It begins to take on a life of its own. When you feel, when people feel your passion, they respond to it by interacting and by sharing. So that's, you know, that's really simple if you're passionate about. It could be just, it could be writing, it could be anything. It could be you, you love going hiking, you love going running, maybe you love cooking. Um, be passionate about your endeavors and share that with people and talk it up and people will engage with you and interact. And it's really, it's, it's, it's quite a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's fun and you can see the conversations take on a viral life of their own. So it's a really great way to engage. The fifth is respond and connect with your community. You know, don't be afraid to congratulate people on their successes and offer helpful suggestions when you can. Acknowledge those people who are retweeting your stuff too. That's really a nice idea. And you can take it one step further by sharing content that you find engaging and interesting. Look to look to your Twitter stream and find something I should say look to their Twitter stream. Find people that you want to engage with. Look at their Twitter stream and find something that they've shared that resonates with your own messaging and retweet it. It, Remember that social media is a two-way street. And if you remember that and use it properly, it really can serve everybody. Uh, Another thing that I want to say on that point is to make sure that you're responding to every comment, tweet, and interaction.
0: The thing with social media, though, is that with the good comes the bad. So how do you deal with trolls?
1: Okay, well, there's a nice feature called block. (laughs) (laughs) I run into quite a few trolls. Um, Specifically, I have one that that is hitting up my reviews on Amazon. Um, She continues to read my books despite saying she hates them. And she reviews them terribly. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, there are quite a few of those trolls out there who are not offering anything helpful. They're just trying to bash somebody and you're going to find those and really blocking people. I don't engage on that level. I remember a marketing consultant that I worked with a long time ago, I was seeking his opinion on how to react to something that happened on social media. He said, do not engage on that level period. Don't engage, ignore it. You know, when somebody wrongs you, you want to jump into that defense mode and defend yourself, but social media is not the place to do it. It just isn't. That's my advice that's how I deal with trolls. I just, I I ignore them and block them if I can.
0: I think that's very wise advice. I think trolls do it to get a rise out of you.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Unfortunately, what happens though, is their voices can seem so much louder than all the positive people. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Um, They can, but you know, here's the thing. Um, uh, People are going to, as a writer, as a, as I when you put your public face out there, people are looking to you. Um, some people may be looking to you as a role model. And you have to decide who are you? Who are you as a person, as a professional? And stay consistent with that. You know, I decided long ago, because I've made that mistake when I first started out. I had haters, just, you know, because of the kinds of books I write, I've had haters come on and say horrible things to me. And I engaged on a level that really just made it grow out of control and just made me look very unprofessional and I always the one question I always ask myself I have a role model who is Tony Robbins Um, he's a motivational speaker and whenever I get into a sticky situation I ask myself how would he respond to this well he probably wouldn't that's my answer so I I try to keep a cool head that way Um, and people who are following you who see this interaction going on they're going to know they're going to respect you more if you, if you, if you ignore the haters, um, you you can't, you're just, you're just feeding fire. Otherwise you're just feeding fire and hate. And I personally, I'm the kind of person who I like to be empowered by positivity. That's the message I send out in all of my blogs and hopefully in my books as well. Um, people see that. And so I try to be authentic and live up to that as
0: best I can. Absolutely. And I think it's such a powerful message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Susie. You can go back to your points now. <laughs>
1: well, um, I think I was making a point just on making sure that you're responding to every comment and interaction because people want to feel that connection. It's really important. And another thing you can do to further enhance that connection with people is to do a little research. Find out more about the person who has taken the time to reach out to you. So you know, check their website or connect with them on their social media accounts. Ask a question about something in their Twitter bio or their Facebook their Facebook bio. And I always try to use a first name when I'm chatting with people because I think that brings a level of personal to it. I personally like it when someone uses my name. I just feel like, oh, they're talking to me. Okay, they're talking with me. Um, So I think just these little small efforts can really have a huge payoff. And I think true friendships can start to evolve from that. So I have two more points on this, on standing out in the noise. The sixth one is using visuals and be consistent with what you post. Use consistent colors, fonts, photo filters to kind of bring people in to recognize that this is your visual style. And people will start to see that in their posts and their news feeds and recognize it and seek them out.
0: I feel like you use a lot of yellow in your images.
1: I have a template that I use for for my images. It's not really, it's not yellow, it's like a salmon color. And I use a very light green color as well.
0: For some reason, when I think of you, I think of sunshine.
1: (laughs) Well, that's great. Well, I do. <laughs> I do use warm tones. Um with the template itself is a salmon colored font that I use. My logo is a salmon colored and my my letters are often white on a background that it's probably very warm and sunny <laughs> cuz I use a lot of nature pictures in my in my imagery.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Yep. So yeah, and, and see, that's a perfect example. You just, you just kind of, you sort of recognize my, my color scheme or just the kind of scheme that I use with some of the imagery that I post out there. So that's cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Another thing about your messages that I've noticed is you're always so positive, And I wonder sometimes how you manage to stay so positive.
1: Um, I guard that, you know, I, I work really hard at that and i say hard at that. I shouldn't kind of make it sound like an effort. It's it's something that it's a priority in my life to maintain a positive disposition. I don't want to be negative. I don't like feeling negative. I get that way. I mean, I'm human, so I'm going to feel that, but I try and I do not put that out there professionally. I really I stay away from that. I I'm very careful with the I call it environments that I create. And what I mean by that is, you know, my my Facebook page is an environment. I I'm very careful with what goes on there. I don't like to put a lot I don't like to put rhetoric or you know anything negative or anything that's going to cause chaos or controversy because I'm not that kind of person. I don't like I don't like that kind of needless conflict in my life. I don't need that in my life. I have my own ideals, my ideas and I like to keep those shaped according to what my principles are and I don't want to force that on anyone else. So I'm, I'm I try to be very careful of that. I'm the kind of person who gets up very early in the morning and I start my day off with meditation every day never fails that's how I start my day I got to get off on the right foot and you know I have a balanced life I, I take a lot of care to keep my life balanced and I wasn't always that way I was I was one of those crazy people who just just went 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 crazy 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 until I one day ended up sick and thankfully I'm healthy now and I really respect my health and I think the number one um element to health is being balanced and staying positive and just being able to laugh a little bit
0: this is not always easy though
1: you know there are a lot of opinions that go around and and it's it's uh yeah it's very difficult to navigate that if you don't have a plan ahead of time you know one thing going back to environments and creating the environments we want i uh about six months ago i created a facebook group called feed your joy and it's just it's a it's an open I should say it's a closed group. People, but anybody can request to join. And all it is—the only thing about that group is if it's negative, it stays out. We we don't allow anything negative in that group. Um, I've got a few administrators that help keep everything positive. And every day we go in there, and people are posting videos and pictures and and you know just wonderful messages to each other and. It's a place that I go to, that's the first place I go on social media in the morning is my Feed Your Joy group because it just feeds me with so much joy. These people are so inspiring. And it was an environment that I said, I just want to be happy when I go on Facebook. And I don't want any negativity. So I'm going to create an environment that's not allowed. That, you know, the only thing allowed is positivity. And it really, really helps, I think, myself to stay grounded and feel good. If I need a lift, I go there and find a picture that makes me feel happy.
0: (laughs) That's great.
1: Yeah. What's it called again? Feed your joy. It's a small group right now and we welcome new people, but you have to be positive. That's the only thing. No negativity
0: is (laughs) allowed. It's the only rule. Okay, Susie. So let's get back to your points.
1: Just one last point is don't be afraid to step out of your social media comfort zone and try out different platforms. Facebook isn't the only one out there. There's so many of them. And to really stand out you want to make the most of the variety of content mediums that generate these high engagement across different channels. For me, Twitter is the best vehicle. I love Twitter. I've tested it. I've tested my delivery, my call to actions, and you know, the I've looked at the trends, looking at the analysis tools that Twitter has, and I can see exactly which posts get the most engagement, and so I just try to put more of those posts out there. And um, you know, there's I say don't shy away from the analytics. It's I know a lot of people they don't bother with analytics, but I'm a marketing professional by trade, and that's one of the things that has always been drilled into my head. You need to know what's working and what's not, and be able to tailor all of your your posts to that. If you're you know if you're out there to really build engagement, you want to look and see if something's not working. Stop posting it. <laughs> you know, go to the things that are working. Images and videos are my go-to. My blog posts are really high engagement. So those the things that I work and I I work at and put the most effort into.
0: How do you go about measuring your engagement?
1: I use Bitly. Bit.ly is bit.ly. It's a free resource. It, there is a paid version if you want to get more um, in-depth, but the free resource is perfect. I use a Bit.ly link. You can take all of your links. So for me, like I post a lot of my blogs, I post, I post a lot of my videos, things of that sort. Anything that has to do with reviews for my books, all that kind of stuff, I get a Bit.ly link for and you just plug your link in and it gives you it shoots out a bitly link and you can customize that and make it something that sounds more like yourself like for me i want to make sure that it has the name of my book in it or the name of my post in it and so what happens is i can go into bitly now and i do this every day and i see okay how many times was this link accessed and i can see exactly where it was accessed and how how much it was accessed, and it really gives a good gauge as to what's working and what's not across all platforms. Now, some of the platforms like Twitter has its own analytical tool built in. I, I like to look at that as well, but my go-to, if I'm going to recommend anything, is to use Bitly. Brilliant.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so now let's talk about sharing. It's not okay. easy to get people to share your posts and to retweet, so how no, do you do that? it's not. Well... My
1: first suggestion. I have three. I have a few more. I, let's just start with one. Okay, visuals, 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 visuals. Now I went to a recently went to a marketing seminar for higher education because that's where my I, I I'm a professional in in marketing in higher education. I went to this conference recently that dealt with marketing, and according to Ma's co-founder and Moz is an SEO software tools and resource company. The Moz co-founder, Rand Fishkin, says that the fastest growing social platforms are based on visuals, and visuals are perceived as more trustworthy than text alone. You know that that says a lot. I personally gravitate to visuals too. When I'm looking at my news feeds I see the visuals. That's what I'm going for. I want to see a cute picture. I want to see dog pictures. I want to see beautiful scenery. If something catches my eye and has a beautiful quote on it I'm sharing it. I I don't even I might not even know the person. It doesn't matter. If I see value in that makes me happy it's going to make other people happy. So that's how you have to look at the content that you're putting out there. Is this going to make me happy? Is this going to make someone else happy? If so, then chances are higher that that's going to get retweeted or shared in a Facebook post. On that note, authentic and amateur pictures stand out better than professional ones, according to the Moz co-founder. So, if you're not an artist or a graphic designer, it's okay. You can take your own photos with your smartphone, or there's this great app called Canva, and that allows you to sort of manipulate your photos and add text to it. Um, And that is, I believe that's a free app. If not, it's it's a nominal fee, uh, maybe a dollar. Um, But anyway, there are tools out there that help you if you're not a graphic designer, (laughs) that can help you create really nice visuals. Um, another thing you can do is simply ask people to share your content. So in other words, like, you know, you can say if, if you put a picture out there that you find inspiring, you want people to share, you can simply say, if you find this helpful or, you know, please feel free to share. Just saying that really increases the engagement in the share, the share value. Why is this? People like to be simply requesting people to take an action results in them taking an action. It just seems to, it just, it's, it's human behavior. If you're asking somebody to do something and you're really, you know, you're genuinely, you're genuine about it and you're friendly and you're somebody they trust and you've built that trust with and you ask them, could you share this? Chances are, you know, if, if you don't ask them, the answer's going to be no, right? It's always going to be no, but it can't hurt to ask. And I, you know, I, I get a lot more engagement when I ask people, if you feel this helps you, please share. And they, you know, oh, please retweet, whichever platform you're on. If you're on Twitter, it's retweet. You know, if it's on Facebook, you can say share.
0: Very interesting. It's yeah. also interesting for me that the amateur photos get more engagement. It's
1: because they're, they're viewed as authentic.
0: Huh.
1: Yep, they're viewed as authentic. They don't feel as marketing. Marketing, I should say. Promy, you know, promotional and Mm. and gimmicky. It's it's authentic. It's real life. Hey, hey, it's a picture of Bumblebee. You know, like lounging in the sun. Isn't isn't this adorable? You know, versus like this big photo shoot that you set up and it's a perfect picture. You know, it's it's not authentic. But Bumblebee lounging in the sun on a deck that maybe is dirty or you know full of leaves. It's authentic. People are gonna say, oh, that's cute,
0: maybe share it. That's so interesting. I would never have, never have thought that. But okay, I can see that. But now, okay, now I have a question. Where do you find the balance between the marketing messages, hey, this is my latest book, and the, hey, this is a beautiful quote?
1: Yeah, so you have to be careful not to put too much promotion out there. So I like to do an 80-20. I like to do 80% of authentic, fun, and maybe inspiring quotes, a funny image, a blog post, helpful tips, um, a checklist maybe, uh, maybe a poll, something like that. 80% of my posts are typically that in a day. 20% are promotion because you know what? As writers, we need to promote our stuff, especially if you're self-published as an indie writer. You know, even even those who are traditionally published, they still need to market their stuff. So, you know, you do have to have that out there. But if, if the majority of the stuff you're posting is not promo, the promo stuff will actually be seen in and, and, I believe it'll resonate um, versus if it's just promotional stuff, because I see that too. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, like put something else out there. <laughs> I want to say, don't just put a book cover out there with a link to it. You, you need that. But in addition to that, you need more of the other stuff.
0: How related does your other stuff need to be to your, the stuff you are promoting?
1: Um, I would say that it needs to relate to you as a person. That would be my advice. So in other words, my blog posts are not related to my books. I might put a sentence in there or like a you know, like a little call out box with a quote a quote from my book that maybe relates to the subject of my blog post. Maybe it's on forgiveness and maybe one of my characters had a moment in a book where she had to forgive somebody. But for the most part, you know, I, I'm gonna focus on who am I as a who am I as a person and a professional? What kind of, for me, what kind of books do I write? I write, I try to write inspiring, uplifting life lessons. And so my blog posts are going to reflect that. My quotes are going to reflect that. My images are going to reflect that.
0: Okay. So it's about your your brand.
1: My brand. That's exactly what it is. It's about brand. It's not about the product. It's about the, what the feeling is that you that you are putting out there on social media. What is that feeling that you want people to get from you? It's not a book. It's not a product. We don't go to Nike to buy. We go to Nike to buy a product, but we remember their brand because it's how it makes us feel.
0: Absolutely. You know,
1: they want us to just do it. I get that. You know, I want to go out there and just do something. I think of Nike. It's powerful. You know, I don't think of a sneaker. I think of uh, that whole whole uplifting uh, empowerment idea. All of their posts, if you look at Nike, it's all about that. It's all about going that extra mile, doing that extra thing, taking that action. It's about a feeling an emotion that somebody people connect to emotions they don't connect to product they connect to emotions of the product so if you can remember that with what you're putting out there what is the feeling and the emotion that you want people to connect to you as
0: your brand absolutely i think that's that's powerful stuff but that's also the most difficult thing to figure out
1: it is it it takes a while it took me a long time i i don't think i actually figured out my brand, really, until I think I wrote Inner Secrets, I was still struggling with what my blogs should look like, and that was my fourth book. And I, you know, I still didn't know who I was, um, in terms of like what my style was, and you know what what kind of what kind of feeling I wanted to put out there. And I was still learning to get to know myself that way, as a writer, and as a brand. And then it just clicked, you know, it, it's, it, I did some, I, you know, I did work with a marketing consultant to help me figure out who, what my brand is. And, you know, that signified in the name of my, my website, Curves Welcome. Yes, it's a play on words, but it's also, it means it's my writing and my, everything that I'm all about is about life's curves, you know, embrace them because they are what makes you who you are. That's how you grow. You're not going to grow if you're on a straight and narrow flat road. Embrace those curves. It's all about learning to go with it and bend and be flexible and, and let it lift you up. And so that's what, you know, the whole brand took place around Curbs Welcome. And that's how I started to realize who I was. And I kind of have worked with that,
0: gosh, for the past, I would say, five years. And the thing the interesting thing I find is when you have a strong brand, when it suddenly clicks into place, "Hey, this is who I am, this is the message I'm putting out there," suddenly people are attracted to you because you you are very clear about what it is you're doing. And people like that. They want they
1: they could rally behind somebody who knows where they're going, you know. And you know this process it it, it is a process to figure it out, but there we we have such a great community. I mean, just being in the Facebook groups, I mean, the, the, the dialogue that takes place, there's such a rich community that we could help foster each other and figure out what our brands are, you know, figure out what we can tap into, what other people, how other people observe and, and see us. And, you know, don't be afraid to make those connections with people and brainstorm together and really work with the, the richness of the community that we have, where we're really, I think, fortunate. We have such a great community of writers and readers, but I mean, writers in terms of
0: helping to develop each other. Uh, absolutely. It's so wonderful. There's so many wonderful women out there who want to be part of this bigger thing that we're doing. Absolutely.
1: It's so fun. It really is. I mean, I'm just getting to know so many different people and it's it's wonderful.
0: It is. I feel very lucky. Okay. You say you have a powerhouse way to connect with readers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay well here's my here's my way the bottom line is to curate content that is valuable and interesting to your target audience which in this case are our current and potential readers so what do i mean by curate content create things that are like open-ended questions present helpful tips toss out some polls Come up with some creative and inspiring quotes. Maybe post a checklist of helpful tips on social media. And these don't have to center around books. These can be areas of interest or even topics based around your book's settings or themes, conflicts, epiphanies, life lessons, hobbies, etc.
0: So what kind of checklist tip do you post?
1: Well, for me, I primarily work around my writer's insights book. So I do a lot of, um, okay, you know, if you want to, if you want a strong plot, this is what you do. And so, you know, you can, you can create these things. Um, For me, my latest book, The Dance was all about, well, it was a romance book, but it also delved into honeybees and the importance that they have in our life. And so I did quite a few videos and blog posts on honeybees and saving the honeybees because it's critical. They're dying and we need them. And so there's an example of a checklist that I put out there on social media. Five ways that you can help save the honeybees, you know, by planting wildflowers and avoiding pesticides and, you know, contacting your representatives to ask them to not use pesticides on public lands, things like that. So just find areas that's connected to your brand, and connected to your areas of interest, and, and and start generating content around those ideas.
0: That's interesting, because what you're also doing is you're creating a wider social, Absolutely. sort of focus yep. around your novels.
1: Yes, and you're bringing in, um, you're bringing in new readers because people who may never have heard of your books are suddenly hearing about them because they're interested in bees. And, oh, check out this checklist that Susie Carr put out there about saving honeybees. And this gets shared with this one and this one and this one. And all of a sudden, they're like, who's Susie Carr or whatever. And then, so they come check it out and they connect with me. And and then suddenly they're buying my book.
0: So on your checklist, do you, do you put there that you created this?
1: Um, well, usually what I do is I brand it with my logo. Because if it gets shared, it's an image usually, um, if it gets shared on social media, then I want people to attribute it back to my website.
0: Okay. Makes sense.
1: Every image, every image I put out there, well, all right, aside from like my, you know, iPhone pictures that I take when I'm out on a walk with my dog or whatnot, but any, any that have quotes on them, they're always branded with my logo. Okay. Because I want to be able to have that come back to my site. Like I want people to know who put that out there.
0: And what does your logo consist of? Is your website address on there?
1: It is just a word mark. It's cursive word mark with curves welcome.
0: Okay, so people can Google curves welcome to find you.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, the, the the word mark itself has curveswelcome.com.
0: Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. All right, so now let's talk about reaching peripheral targets outside of your circle of influence. Sure.
1: All right. Well, hands down my best success is blogging. This is a great way to attract new readers. Not only do you get to share valuable information and curate content that's original, um that that content can then be shared and reshared on social media platforms and this content that you're creating that's shareable is also showing off your writing style as a writer, you know, which is just a fabulous tool to be able to attract new people. Um, whatever your writing style is, I mean, if it's poetic or lyrical or you know, whatever it might be, if people resonate with that kind of if it resonates with people, they might be like, I like the way this person writes, let me check out. You know, now they're on my website, they're in my blog platform on my website. I've got my nav right there with my books right there. And it's easy for them to find and be able to say, let me check out this book. So that that right there is um, a fantastic way to reach readers outside of your targeted readership. Blogging is also a great way to connect with current and new people. So, you know, not to mention blogging on your website, it helps to keep your website fresh and visitors coming back to check it out, which is really key. You don't want a stagnant website. You want people coming back and finding new information, revisiting it. Um, you can also get them on an email list, which I really highly suggest you do. Um, now, let's just say that you're blogging about planting flowers, okay? And you write books about lesbians who are lawyers or doctors or parents struggling to keep up with demands of parenthood and a career, okay, as an example. Well, people who shared your blog post on social media about planting flowers simply want to learn more about this subject. So they visit your site, read your clever poster you know, on, on flower, planting flowers, and then they see that you have a book for sale. So you know, she came to read a post about flowers, and then maybe she became a new reader because she enjoyed your flair for writing prose that made her smile. You see, without the flower blog post... She may never have discovered your website or your book. So those are ways that you can reach new readers without having to go promoting, you know, throwing your your book cover and a link on just, you know, on social media, plastering it everywhere. Something more effective to reach people, to get people to act, is to provide valuable content that you're interested in and that connects to your brand.
0: Very cool. Yeah. So, so- – you blog on your actual website itself.
1: That's right. Yep, it's it's right. I have a WordPress site, and it has um a blogging platform right on it. So, within the dynamics of my website is the blog.
0: And how often are you blogging?
1: I blog once a week.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: I blog once a week. Does it
0: go out the same day every week, or?
1: It does. I um uh, I I send it out on Fridays because through studying my analytics that's the day that most people that's the that's the day with the highest engagement now you know certain industries it's not true fridays are a terrible day for, for certain industries but for my particular blog fridays seems to be the day that gets the highest activity so that's where it's really important to look at what you're look at your analytics see how many people are you know see what day works best for you and um, for me, it's, it happens to be Fridays. So I send it out Friday morning and, and yeah. So I put it on social media, all different platforms. I put it on Pinterest, I put it on Instagram, I put it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Google+, Facebook, Facebook fan page, um, my, my Facebook groups that I belong to. And I also send it out via email to those who have opted to be on my email list.
0: What do you use for your email list?
1: MailChimp. And I love MailChimp. They're reasonably priced. And they're just, it's, they're, it's such a clever system. It, really, it's user-friendly. And I've never had an issue with any, like, I mean, I've used different, different email providers. And I've had situations where the, the emails don't go through because they viewed as spam and this and that. But, email, but MailChimp, I've never had that problem. Never.
0: Mm, I also use MailChimp. How big is your mailing list? My mailing list is about a thousand. Now that's a decent sized mailing list. Yeah.
1: It's, you know, it, it's difficult to get people to sign up because, um, I mean, I'm I'm the same way. I hate signing up for, for new lists because I just have so much email that comes in. And, it, you know, it, so when somebody actually grants you permission to send you an email, that's a big thing. And I don't take that lightly. I make sure that I very respectful of that trust that they put in me I do not spam them I, I mean I do not send oversend. they get one email a week and that's typically my blog post um, I am very careful not to abuse that list and I never share it which you know it's, you never want to do that anyway but it's um I always make sure that when someone signs up for it to, to get my email um, that they get a gift in return, so I have a short story that I give them and an audiobook. So they get two things for signing up to be on my email list.
0: That's fantastic. They get an audio book.
1: Yeah, I recorded one and I put it up on Sound SoundCloud. So it's inner secrets and um, so they get they get access to that.
0: Fantastic. Well there we go. Listeners, go sign up. You get a free audio book. <laughs> okay so i want right. to go back to your blog posts how long are they when you write them
1: um typically they're about 1500 words
0: wow that's that's a long blog post Susie. you are a, a writer
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah industry is um they, it's hit or miss um that's right around the, the middle ground, they say, for lengthwise. 2,500 actually is one that they, they say gets really good engagement, but I don't have time to write 2,500 words a week. So I typically get it to about 1,500. And I always use one or two images.
0: Do you ever turn these into uh, books, or have you ever thought about turning them into books or something more? Yes. More-
1: yes, I have. Um, I actually am just releasing another it's going to be just a short ebook, a 50 page ebook on creating memorable characters. But I also, I'm creating a book called In the Company of Sunshine. And it is a book that is, um, it's really in honor of my dog that passed this past year, Sunshine. His name is Sunshine. Um, and this book is a—it's twenty. It's going to be twenty-eight essays, and it's going to be put. It's—it's it's actually going to be a picture book too. Um, it's going to be designed with beautiful photography from the photographer who took the cover shot for the dance. Her name is Amanda Robertson, and she lives in Australia. And she has been going out on all of these photo expeditions um, her and her wife Jenny Lee and their dog Shelby they've been taking beautiful photographs of nature and it's going to go the essays are gonna be sort of placed on top of these beautiful photographs well it's not gonna be out for another year and a half though it's gonna take a little while but what I'm doing is I'm taking some of the some of the prose that I write inside of my blog posts. I'm a very poetic type of writer that's my style my blog posts tend to be very informational um, and, and insightful, I guess, like tips and things like that. But in within the context of that, I always have a paragraph or two that's sort of I let my writing style flow, and <laughs> I get into the poetic style of it. And so those are going to be. I'm going to take some of those and put them in this essay book. So, yeah, that that is that is some of them are going to be put into um, a book form.
0: Fantastic. I kind of feel like if you're going to write, you may as well write something with a greater purpose.
1: Exactly. I agree.
0: (laughs) Especially that length. My gosh. Uh
1: one, one thing that I do want to say that people can do is blog posts can also be turned into, you can record them and put them up on YouTube and, you know, you can create, if you want to get fancy and create some slides to go along with it. So now you have your, your information or your writing or, you know, your tips, your helpful information out on two different platforms. You can also put it up on SlideShare, which is another social media platform that is just slides. Um, so, you know, you can take the content that you've, created in your blog post and repurpose it. And I do that too. That's really another cool advantage because you you want to be able to just, you you want to be able to utilize what you've done and really put it out there to your best advantage and not have to reinvent the wheel every time you want to put curate new content. So like checklists can come from a blog post you did on, hey, five tips to help you make it through your day better. You know, and then you make a little checklist and you put that as an image out on social media. So now now you have another piece of content that you've curated from that blog post.
0: Very cool. How often yeah. do you post on Twitter? I post
1: like 20 times a day.
0: <laughs> Are you using tools?
1: I am. Yeah, I do. I, I do have a scheduling tool that I use, Hootsuite, um, to make sure that I'm out there once an hour. But here's the, here's the important part. You can't just dump a bunch of information out and never go back on your Twitter feed for the day. You want to engage. So... Even though my information is scheduled out, I'm in there. I go into my Twitter feed at like once an hour and just see who's interacting, and I interact and I retweet something and I thank somebody or you, know, you just want to make sure that you're out there, you're active, you're responding, and you know you're engaged. That's really important.
0: Absolutely okay. And Facebook, how often are you posting on Facebook?
1: That's a different vehicle. Um, people don't want to be slammed on Twitter. Twitter's Twitter's fine. I have like eight. I have like you know eighteen thousand gosh I'm you know I have 80,000 followers so I I, and I I I have 17,000 people that I'm following so my news feed is going like a million miles an hour so when I'm you know it's it's it it really you can post once an hour you can post once every five minutes and (laughs) that tweet is only going to live like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so it's okay to it's okay to actually post a lot on Twitter Facebook on the other hand because anytime somebody reacts or likes or reacts or comments to a post on Facebook, it becomes more alive and comes up the news feed to the top again. So, you know, people are going to get really sick of seeing too much. So I try to limit my postings three to five a day. Facebook groups are different. You know, I'm in there and try to interact as much as I, if I see something I want to interact with, I'll interact with it. I'm not worried about how much I'm interacting. Um, that's a whole different environment but like to post things like curated content i try to be very respectful of people's news feeds and three to five a day is my max
0: okay yeah and what other social media platforms are you using
1: i use pinterest um so pinterest is great because anytime that you like on my all my blog posts all my featured images on them I make sure I pin it to my Pinterest account so people can find it on there and see it there and, you know, and be able to connect back to my website read my blog. So Pinterest is a great vehicle to be able to use a visual and to be able to have people connect back to your website.
0: And you only use, have to do each one once, right?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
1: I use Instagram and I love Instagram. Uh, that's visually based and you know, so I'm on there like a couple of times a day. I will post an image, and that's fun. <laughs> Google Plus is one that maybe once or twice a day. It's uh, I still haven't gotten the, I still haven't gotten the hand of Google Plus. Um, I have a hard time and I have a hard time with engagement on it, and I'm not sure if I'm just not spending enough time on there or not. But it hasn't been my best vehicle, and so I'm gonna go where my best vehicles are my best engagements are which is twitter facebook instagram and pinterest
0: yeah i find google plus a very strange i actually gave up on it because i had the same sort of yeah some people love
1: it and i'm like i wish i understood it because i don't know what what there is to
0: love <laughs> i might be missing something i have a theory I'm about not sure about googlers they think very differently to everybody else in the world it's my yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, those of, on YouTube. I'm sorry, I should mention YouTube. That's a big one. YouTube is like the second biggest search engine next to Google. So you want to be on YouTube, and it's a great way to get your, I don't know, to connect with readers on a personal level. They get to see your personality through your videos and
0: frequency on YouTube.
1: That um, it really doesn't. I don't really think that there is a um. I personally don't know of. A number out there that's better than you know to post five times a day or ten I I really don't know Um, it takes a while for me it takes it takes time and effort to create a video make sure it looks fine and you know rings true so there's a lot of effort involved for me to create a video so I would probably like once a week would be the most I might do just because of my resources
0: yeah Um, let's talk search engine optimization Bear in mind, most authors, they can barely understand their WordPress site. So let's... Yes.
1: <laughs> okay, so search engine optimization is an animal. <laughs> it's this like forest where you can get lost. And yeah, I uh, I have a guide. <laughs> Meaning I have, I actually hire, I have a person that does my SEO for me because I do not understand it. um And I don't, want to understand it <laughs> I think my efforts are better served in other areas um, that being said I have I do have like a little cheat sheet checklist that I use for my blog posts to make sure that they are SEO optimized um, and so you know when you're writing a blog post you want to make sure that you have uh, I don't know how technical I need to get here um, because this, this could be this could get very technical um, Yeah, I'm not sure this, uh, you know, I make sure I have a headline, which is called an H1, and then I make sure I have a second, two secondary headlines that are called H2s. (laughs) And then I make sure I have a keyword. So, for instance, last week I blogged about giving more, um, you know, giving service to others. um, And so the keyword was give more, and I found you have to kind of do a little research to make sure and to figure out what is a good keyword to use. What are people searching for online? And the, the goal is if people are searching for the word give more, um, then you want them to be able to find your website when they search in Google. You want your page, you want your website to rank somewhere in the first few pages of Google um, to be able to, people to be able to find your article on giving more. Um, and so I use, Google has a great tool called Keyword Tool, and you plug it in, and you see how many people on a monthly basis are searching for your keyword or keywords. So in this case, let's say a thousand people a month are searching for the words, give more. Well, that tells me, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, I usually go, if, if a keyword has 500 or more, that sounds good to me. (laughs) <laughs> so it's worth the effort of writing the blog post around that keyword. So make sure that my headlines, my headline one, my headline twos, have the word give more in it. And I have a few give more um, words sprinkled throughout my blog post. And then I have a, an image that is titled give more with an alt tag, give more.
0: <laughs> that is an excellent uh brief SEO <laughs>
1: that is my journey into SEO and my web guy tells me I'm doing okay you know people are finding my site so that's good um, he you know he does a lot of the back-end work to make sure that my pages are all SEO and that is something that I just hire someone to do because I, I don't have the desire to be <laughs> working that kind of level of technical um, it's just the whole technical end. <laughs> and I do use um, somebody, um, he's fantastic, i like to give him a plug, <laughs> His <laughs> Brain Power Websites. His name is Michael, and he's just taken my website to a whole new level from its early infancy, and I'm very, very grateful to him for it, because I feel like it's a very professionally laid out site that is doing
0: its job. And how many visits are you getting every month?
1: Oh gosh, I mean, I'm getting... Roughly about 2,000 um, 2000 for for my website, which I think is a lot for me. I I mean, mean, I I used to maybe get 30, 30, you know, know? like I I don't don't even know, know. (laughs) you know. So it's growing incrementally each month, which is really good.
0: Yeah, Brilliant. I'm I'm very impressed that you managed to break down SEO. It's quite a big topic.
1: That is a very big topic. and I, I hope I did it a little bit of justice.
0: Absolutely. I think if authors do exactly what you said, they will see some benefits. Two other SEO tips I have is just one. If you go onto Google itself, the search, okay, and you type in um, beekeeping, and then you scroll right down to the bottom, you can see related terms. Yes. Okay? If you add one or two of those exact phrases into your content, you'll SEO better.
1: Yes. I, you know what I did? I, I have heard that. That's,
0: that's awesome. And, um, if you start with your first sentence contains the phrase that you, that you are SEOing for, that helps as well.
1: Yes. Fantastic. Thank you for that little tip.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you have given us a lot of information. Thank you very much. Do you have anything, do do you have anything else that you are burning to add? Well,
1: just my closing thoughts on the whole subject of marketing on social media is, you know, it's, again, it's becoming increasingly difficult to stand out in the crowd these days. But being thoughtful in what you post could really help give you a bit of an edge. So be true to your voice, to your ideas, and most importantly to your audience. And good things are bound to happen for you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I like your 80-20 rule. 20% of your own marketing and 80% of stuff that's relevant to your audience. Yeah, That's yes. That, I think, is a really good ratio to try and keep to. Mm-hmm. All right, Susie, so where can people find you, your books, your fabulousness? <laughs>
1: well, the, the hub, the central place where they can find links to my books and to my social media platforms are my website. It's my website. So that would be curveswelcome.com
0: fantastic yeah and I urge I I would really I
1: would love for people to connect with me on social media and if you're hearing if you do connect with me um, because you heard this show let me know Um, so you know just so I can know that this connection was made and uh,
0: that would be fun absolutely and then let me know too of (laughs) course I sure will (laughs) Susie, thank you so much thank you it's been a pleasure it has been it has been That was Suzy Carr, this is The Right Stuff, and I'm Sheena. Don't forget to subscribe, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. And share the love. Let someone know about this wonderful podcast. Till next week.